This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. It's just me in the studio this week for this mini episode, so you're going to get just unadulterated Daniel uh, in your answers today. And with that, uh, let's jump right into it. Our first letter is the perfect target. Yesterday, I got a phone call from someone claiming to be my credit card company. Long story short, I was scammed out of about $1,000. This isn't the first time that's happened, not even recently. Just a few weeks ago, I lost $800 to a fake appliance repair company, and last year someone conned me out of an expensive purse I was selling online. It's like whenever someone tries to scam me, the critical thinking part of my brain just shuts off, and I do whatever they tell me. I find I have a lot of trouble saying no to these assholes, which I think stems from broader issues with anxiety and saying no in general. I ended up having a prolonged panic attack literally screaming with rage and frustration and scaring my kind and supportive partner. I know there's a lot of victim blaming around fraud. How could a smart person like you fall for something so obvious? How could you be so stupid? And there was a big part of me that knew what was happening yesterday was sketchy, but I fell for it anyways. How do I get past the feelings of shame and self-hatred and work on saying no to scammers in the moment so this doesn't keep happening? I think the first thing that's important here um, to address before we dive into questions of whether misplaced trust or fear of conflict in certain circumstances is what's getting in your way, letter writer, and, and focus first on what you describe as a panic attack, but that also seems to involve directly or indirectly uh, screaming at and frightening your partner. I think that that is its own separate issue and and really needs to be treated uh, as as being of primary importance, at least as important as trying to figure out how you want to handle this kind of situation differently. It's not good to scream at your partner, uh, especially not in such a way that it sounds like pretty clearly scares them. I, you know, you don't give a lot of details about what that looked like. Um, and And I don't want to waste too much time trying to split hairs about you know, well, I wasn't screaming at my partner directly. I was just screaming a lot in front of my partner and scaring them. That's not a good thing to do. That's not a kind thing to do. That's not a supportive thing to do. And it, it's it's less important to me what prompted that yelling so much as figuring out how can you make sure that you don't do that again? Because um, I think it's a little bit of a, a a waste of time to try to figure out, well, it was just because I was so upset, um, you know, because that sort of turns it into if I reach a certain level of distress or shame or self-loathing, all bets are off. I can't really control my behavior. I can't really help it if I scream at or frighten my partner because I am so upset. And in in reality, you know, it is imperative that you not treat your partner that way, regardless of what you yourself are feeling. So I think the thing to begin with, letter writer, is to go to your partner and apologize for how you screamed at them yesterday. Ask them how they felt about it. Ask them if there's something that you can do right now to start to make amends. Um, be prepared to listen without kind of interrupting or trying to qualify or justify yourself. This is not about 
making excuses for why you did it or trying to re-explain the context. It's really just about learning more from your partner about how that made them feel. Um, And then also committing to, uh, you know, how am I going to make that right? How can I tell my partner, you know, I'm going to take the following steps to ensure that if in the future, uh, you know, I want to scream, I'm going to either say, things are getting really heated for me. I need a few minutes by myself. Uh, I got to go in the other room and work out uh, some of these feelings. I got to go take a walk. Um, you, you do need to find a way to uh, manage your affect in those moments because it's not simply as as uh, simple as, as saying, well, I'm having a panic attack. So if I need to start screaming, that just has to happen. That is not, in fact, a, a sort of like necessary aspect of a panic attack. That's a decision to vent your anger and frustration in such a way that it distresses and frightens your partner. And that's not good. Um, so I think in addition to apologizing to your partner and asking for them to share a little bit more with you about what that was like, and perhaps even whether or not they have experienced you venting anger or self-loathing in the past in a way that has frightened them. But I think to also share with another person or two in your life, um, that this was something that you did recently and that it concerns you and that you want to make sure that you don't do it again. And so you want a little additional outside accountability from other people who know you and care about you so that they can check in on occasion, so that you can reach out to them when you're tempted to do that again, um, so they can potentially kind of let you know like, hey, you've you've reached out to me a lot these last couple of months with a desire to, uh, you know, vent explosively. It seems like you're really struggling. Maybe, you know, things are getting a little bit worse and it's time to talk to a therapist um, about how to manage some of these feelings. Um, I I think that would be really useful and would go a long way towards making you feel less like when I reach this level of distress, uh, I can't control what I'm going to do next. I have no options. All I can do is scream. So I I think that's the first order of business. Um, When it comes to the specifics about uh, falling prey to scams, and I I don't even know falling prey or being scammed is quite the word that I want here because as you say, letter writer, in in many of these situations, particularly the most recent one, you have known what is happening in the moment. So it's less, I think, that you sincerely believe in those moments that you are doing something above board or that you ought to do so much as you are aware uh, that somebody is trying to take advantage of you. And for whatever reason, the idea of ending that conversation prematurely, saying, I have to think about this, let me call you back, feels impossible. Um, and so in those moments, instead, you 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 go along to get along. And um, that's not to say you should feel terrible about yourself or that makes you a bad person who deserves to be scammed out of money so much as just there's something that's happening in these moments that make me so anxious um, and that feel so overwhelming that the idea of saying, do you have a number where I could call you back? I need to think about this feels impossible. So when it comes to minimizing the possibility that you will be on these phone calls in the first place. Uh, You know, certainly there are a number of apps out there that will screen for likely scam numbers and cut down on the number of calls and texts that you receive. Some of them are available for free. Some of them cost a couple of dollars a month. Um, but there's lots of them out there. You can always check with the Better Business Bureau if you want to make sure that your you know, scam f- filters are themselves trustworthy. That would make sense. Do a little bit of research there. But you know, this is a really common problem. A lot of people have to deal with phishing and spamming phone calls 
we're absolutely not alone on that front. Um, and so I think whatever you can get in place to cut down on the number of unknown phone calls you receive is going to go a long way towards minimizing these, these moments for you. You know, you can also, if you receive an email or get a voicemail and it kind of raises some of your alarms, again, run it past somebody else whose judgment you trust and say, you know, does this look, uh, you know, legitimate to you? Um, if it is a legitimate contact from a bank or social security or anything else, you can always go to that bank or to social security or whatever um, institution they're supposed to be representing and say, can you confirm that this is my account? Can you confirm that this is going on? Um, and, um, again, if, if a call is legitimate, you can always say, I'd like to confirm this. Do you have a number that I can call you back at? And that's a perfectly appropriate thing to say. Um, if somebody gets hostile or says that they can't do that for you, that is a, a sign that, you know, someone is attempting to, to, to scam you. And in those moments, I think the thing to say, if no feels really distant is just, let me call you back. And that at least gives you a little time so that you're out of the pressure of the moment. You can also check out, you know, the Federal Trade Commission has a number of articles about these very things. You can go to consumer.ftc.gov. There's a little page on what to do if you have been scammed. Uh, there's there's links to how to try to uh, remedy things if you've paid a scammer. You know, there are ways to contact either the company or bank that issued that charge, tell them it was a fraudulent charge, ask them to reverse the transaction. You do have recourse after some of these things have happened. Um, so I would definitely recommend checking out. Again, that's consumer.ftc.gov. Uh, you can also then report scams to the Federal Trade Commission. Um, you can, uh, you know, write down anything that feels useful, maybe leave a little sticky note next to your workspace so that, you know, if anybody calls you, says there's a problem and the only way you can fix it is by paying me now over the phone, it's an indicator that something's not right. You can always say, I'm going to have to call you back. Again, that's only if no feels impossible. It might also be useful to write down a little bit about what these situations have had in common. What, you know, when did you first notice a part of you that was saying this doesn't feel right? Did the idea of saying no in those moments feel impossible? And if so, why? What were you afraid might happen? Were you afraid of getting in a fight? Were you afraid of learning that you were in trouble? Um, are you afraid of your own feelings and what you might have to endure emotionally if you said no? Um, that might be useful information for you. And again, you can share some of that with your partner. If you're in a, a kind of calmer place, you can share that with trusted friends, share that with a therapist and, and look through like what's getting in the way of my ability to say either no or not right now, or I need to confirm this. Um, and maybe even just make a policy with yourself that for the next couple of months, you're not going to finalize anything over a single phone call or a single email conversation that you're always going to say, I need a little bit of time to think this over when it's a good time to get back in touch with you. Um, and if you sort of automate that and make it your sort of regular response to to most things, you know, it might make it feel a little bit easier when you realize, okay, I did that and it was okay. The world didn't end. Um, you can kind of build up that that muscle. But, you know, again, there's there's the technical aspect of like checking with the FTC, of um, trying to cut down on the spam calls that you receive. Uh, and there's the sort of reaching out to other people aspect. But I, I really do think that here the biggest thing to focus your attention on right now is when I feel um, frustrated because I've been taken advantage of or I have uh, you know, said yes when I wanted to say no, I then have at least once uh, really exploded at my partner. 
And that's something that I want to not do again. And if I make that my priority, then I think some of the other things can fall in line um, as long as you have that as, as your first priority. You know, if you have trouble saying no to strangers who call you and no trouble yelling at your partner, then you've got your priorities kind of out of whack and you need to be able to uh, reorient some of those things. So, you know, the feelings of shame and self-hatred, that's understandable that you want to get past that, both because they will get in the way of your being more effective in saying no, but also because I think those feelings of shame and self-hatred have enabled you to frighten and bewilder your partner. Because when you feel like you are scum, then it is sometimes easier to treat other people badly. And so I don't say that to add to uh, your feelings of um, self-recrimination, but merely to point out that if you treat yourself with outsized anger, that can also sometimes make it easy to excuse genuinely bad behavior because it's like, well, this is just even more evidence that I'm a monster and a terrible person. I can't believe that I've done this. So be on the lookout for that because that can really enable bad behavior. Um, I myself use a spam reducing app. It's great. It doesn't get my number of spam calls down to zero, but it does get them significantly down. So good luck. Don't yell at your partner. And uh, I hope that you are able to get at least some of these charges reversed. All right. Our second letter is called Thruple Trouble. I recently courthouse married my longtime best friend, Alice. I love her more than anything, and we are very happy together. The only problem is her girlfriend, Beth. I introduced them to each other to facilitate a working partnership a few months before Alice and I, quote, got together. I'm a hobbyist in their professional artistic field. They've accomplished amazing things. When Alice told me they had started dating soon after their first project came out, I was thrilled for my friends. However, immediately after they began dating, with Alice and I platonic but very intimate best friends, Beth iced me out. She stopped replying to texts, wouldn't engage with me on our collaborations, abandoning them in the process. It hurt to be discarded by a friend. I considered us close. Alice didn't seem aware that this was happening and continued to mention Beth speaking highly of me throughout this process. She talked to Beth before proposing that we make our relationship a romantic life partnership, and Beth apparently expressed support. I avoid the topic wherever possible. I won't be a wedge between Alice and anyone she loves, especially not someone she works with. But Alice is the only person whose advice I want to ask. How can I share this with her without sounding paranoid or like I'm insisting she choose between security, she relies on me for healthcare and housing after escaping an abusive family, and this pleasurable working slash romantic partnership with Beth, which is something I would never ask of her. I can appreciate that you want to talk with uh, Alice about this and you want her advice. I think that's possible. I think that's reasonable. I think you should. I, I do think, however, this is something that you should probably speak to Beth about with first. Beth is also, has been a friend of yours. She stopped talking to you. You don't know why. And it doesn't sound like you've ever asked her. And I think that's sort of the obvious place to start, even though I realize that that doesn't necessarily feel fun. But before asking Alice to advise you on a situation that it sounds like you have pretty good reason to believe she doesn't know much about, you need to ask the person who does know. Uh, you know, that's not to say that Beth necessarily has a clear-cut reason. It's very possible she herself doesn't perfectly understand everything that went into her decision, but she certainly knows more, I think, about it than Alice does. So as 
difficult as that might seem, I think your first move needs to be to say to Beth, I feel self-conscious asking you about this because you haven't answered my last few text messages, but it's clear that either I've done something to hurt you or there's something going on and I miss you and I'm confused and I would love it if we could talk about why you've stopped talking to me. Now, if she doesn't respond to that, I think at that point, yeah, your next move needs to be to bring it up with Alice, but you will need to have at least checked that off your list so that you can say, you know, I've tried speaking to her about it directly. I've tried asking. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, so again, I realize if she has ignored previous texts that this might simply be about sending a message, you know, will probably be ignored so that you can then move on to the next item on your list. But I, I do think you have every reason to say, I'm confused. I'm hurt. Can you tell me what's going on? And if she has a specific answer for you, then maybe the three of you can all talk about it. If she doesn't respond to you, then you can go to Alice and, you know, really say what you said to me, which is, I haven't wanted to bring this to you. It's really, you know, I really support your relationship. I don't want to get in the middle of it. Um, I just would love to know a little bit more about what's going on and figure out how you and I can maintain our relationship um, separately from that relationship. So if that's your goal, I think it's achievable. It's possible that you and Beth will not reconcile and that will be sad and difficult, but it also sounds like in that case, you're pretty prepared to silo your relationship with Alice from her relationship with Beth. That is possible. It's possible for someone to be in multiple relationships with people who you know, don't necessarily get along as long as they can discuss it honestly and figure out like what are appropriate and reasonable things we can all ask of each other. So it's not paranoid to mention this new reality to Alice. Um, it's not making an ultimatum. Um, you're simply saying, I don't really know why Beth and I have stopped talking, but we have. And, you know, I, I, I want to be able to tweak our own relationship in light of that if only because letter writer, it sounds really clear that like you don't want to step on any toes or make Beth feel uncomfortable. And it, it will be difficult for Alice if she believes the two of you are still close and getting along and that's not actually the case. So I realize this is uncomfortable stuff to discuss. It probably doesn't feel very good, but um, you're not asking anything unreasonable. You're not making demands of Alice. Um, you're just trying to name reality and figure out how to you know, move ahead in the future. I feel like, too, there are a few moments in your letter that you, I'm not quite sure what the phrase is. Um, it feels like you're you're looking for ways to sort of downplay the importance of your relationship with Alice. Like, we got courthouse married. She's my best friend. We only became romantic life partners sort of later on after she and Beth were already together in a way that maybe implies that you feel like Alice's relationship with Beth is maybe more important or more valuable than your relationship with Alice and that you therefore need to minimize your own needs or desires in order to facilitate that. And if any of that is kind of getting in the way of your saying something that would, I think, bring you relief and peace to discuss, I hope that you can let that go. This is not about ranking which relationship is most important. Um, this is not about saying, you know, your girlfriend hurt my feelings. Please dump her immediately. This is just, you, you know, you want to talk about something that's already happening. That's okay. She doesn't have to say, wow, that makes Beth a monster. She might feel perhaps rightly that Beth has not handled the situation very well and has perhaps been a bit dismissive or unkind or more than a bit dismissive or more than a bit unkind. But again, that doesn't necessarily mean she's going to say Beth is the worst. I'm breaking up with her tomorrow. So try Beth first, then speak with Alice. 
figure out what it is that you would like to ask for. And then, you know, let Alice tell you what she's prepared to do. But don't worry that simply by naming it, you are forcing her to make, you know, a decision about survival. Um, It doesn't sound like you've ever said or even implied to her that if she does something you don't like, that you would cut off any form of her support. So please don't worry that simply by light of you providing her uh, with healthcare, that you're not allowed to discuss, you know, emotional aspects of your relationship. You are. And good luck. Right back. I would love to hear how that conversation goes. And I hope that the three of you are able to find something that works. Ideally, some sort of reconciliation and reproachment. Uh, But if not, at least, you know, open and honest boundaries and distance. And that's it for me for today. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up, to subscribe, or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you get a minute. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations and interview questions with our guests. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you need some little advice or big advice and you'd like me to read your letter on the show, head to slate.com slash mood to find our big mood, little mood listener question form or find a link in the description of the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening. <laughs>